Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Book Chat. I have a fantastic guest for you guys to meet and learn about today. And we're just going to be chatting about her work and anything that comes up in casual conversation. So let me bring her in. Good morning. Well, I guess it may not be morning where you're at. No, it's actually afternoon. It's like mid-afternoon where I'm at now. Nice. Well, go ahead and tell our listeners and viewers who you are and a little bit about your work. So I, when I write as German Nanny, I write multicultural fiction for women aged 18 and above who want to be uh, strong, independent, and fulfilled. Um, I hold a an undergraduate law degree from the University of Kent in Canterbury, and then a postgraduate certificate in food law from the, the Montfort University and the both in the UK. And somehow I'm not actually practicing law, but <laughs> here, I, here I am. I'm also the CEO of a, a storytelling uh, company that is based in Nigeria, and I'm really, really glad to be here. Awesome. I'm excited to have you. And I also am one of those. I have a degree in kinesiology to practice physical therapy, like sciences, and I, I don't use it either. I found myself drawn to the writing world, and here I am. It is kind of, I feel like it fits me better. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So let's talk about some of your work. Do you feel like your degree has helped you with writing some of your work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first one that's called Forever There For You, um, there is rather one of the uh, subjects that is treated as fiction, as a full-length fiction novel, but one of the subjects that's treated in it is domestic violence, and it happens in the UK where there are actually laws that are um, enforced. Obviously, some people slip through the cracks and all that. And so what I knew about that in relation to the law, um, you know, it did come into play quite a lot when I was writing because obviously, you know, I'd, I'd studied this um, before I wrote it. And so I'd written a lot of, a lot um of it about incidents and just in a way that it actually made sense to the story. So it wasn't just, it wasn't like, oh, here's a law lesson, <laughs> right? Um, and then the second book, which is actually a collection of um, short stories, there isn't any, let me think, because actually a collection of short stories, no, there isn't any um, legal um, sort of knowledge in there. But it's more from a media perspective, right? Uh, many of the people in there, so there's one story in there about this boss chick in the media who um, this guy that she knows really wants to ask her out but and he's completely in love with her but um, has no idea how to go about it because of the perception. So I, I don't know how it is in the US, but in Nigeria, and I think in some parts of the UK as well, if a woman is in the media, people just, especially a woman of color, right, people just assume that she is loose. 
and um, so like that she's seeing multiple men at once. Um, and then on some level, because of the way that the media like you know projects things, you see this person in this dress and in these shoes and all that, and you just think, oh gosh, they're so rich, which you know not necessarily true. Sometimes those things are borrowed. And so, of course, um, in this particular story in Because Home Is, um, this guy is seriously assessing himself in terms of what do I bring to the table? What do I bring to her that she hasn't seen before? Because it is actually true that um, while not every woman of color in the media is loose and see multiple men, a lot of men do ask them out, right, or ask us out. And... So you're kind of, I mean, if you're a guy who's very serious, you're kind of thinking, okay, what do I say to her that she hasn't had before that, you know, she's not going to be like, oh, you're just one of the other guys, you know. And so that, like, you know, that's just one of the stories. So Love is, um, so the first book, there is a component of domestic violence there, which is by law, the legal aspect as well. Second uh, book is, um, more or less media stuff mm-hmm. and then the third uh novel so there's actually another one which is a uh an e-box set so uh, yeah an e-book box set so it's technically not my life. i was just a contributor and then the third proper one that i am actually currently working on the protagonist is a beauty influencer and I remember when I got the idea just thinking I'm not I'm not gonna write that I I, I don't know anything about you know I mean I, I scrub up nicely um but to actually say right I'm gonna write about this beauty influencer and I can't just say oh she's a beauty influencer and move on right I have to just like with the other books you have to write things that make the reader know okay I know what I'm talking about and I remember feeling so unqualified. That is the word. And I just thought, okay, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. With the first one, I kind of knew because, again, you know, I've got that low background. The second one, I kind of knew because, well, I knew quite a lot because of the media things and some of the things that I wrote about in the second one are things that I've actually dealt with. But with this third one, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, so I was very resistant to the idea of writing it. And I remember working out one morning and thinking to myself, all right, what is the problem? Why do you feel like you can't do this? And I was literally like speaking out loud to to myself. So the way that I'm speaking to you now, speaking out loud to myself and answering myself, it's because you feel like you don't know anything about this world like you know the beauty world in that way I mean I at least I mean I know what lipstick is and lip gloss and all that but how this thing really works you don't know and that's your problem and for me um I on some level I feel like I need to know everything about a particular thing before I step out and so to write like a whole book on this thing that this world that I'm not a part of and that was when I realized, hang on, that's that's actually what's going to make the story work. Because the girl, the protagonist in the book, 
she literally falls into this world. She has no intention. You know, again, it's multicultural fiction, but um, she comes from obviously cultural and has lived in an era where um, I want to be a makeup artist. I want to, that, that was just not something she could say to her parents. And then she goes over to London, and, but she's very good at makeup stuff. And she does it. In fact, she's doing it behind her father's back. And she's got an accomplice in her aunt, who is her father's sister and is also her godmom. And he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll deal with him. You know, this is how you make money. Like, you know, so there's that thing of it's not so much about beauty. It, as I mean, there, there is that component, but there is the thing of using a skill that you have that you're naturally blessed with that you might have not you, you might not have gone to school for mm-hmm. right and monetizing it and so when this happens to her in London of course because she's going on the internet and of course people know who she is she's suddenly famous and you're kind of like oh I, I didn't I didn't know this was going to happen so of course she has to you know deal with that and I remember when I understood this is about being unqualified. That is the story. You know, that's yeah. the crux of it. And then I figured out, I was like, oh, okay. So this is the, the actual story. So when I say the story, I mean, and you're a writer as well, you know that it's not about the outline. It's the thread running through it. And I wrote I wrote the first um, draft in three weeks. I've never done that before. When I wow. figured out this is what... Yeah, I wrote the first draft in three weeks, and that was like about 50,000 words. Then I wrote the main uh, manuscript, the proper one that's going to the editor, in another three weeks. I've never done that before. Like, I, If anyone had told me that, I'd be like, no, that's not possible. And I think that the way that the second, the, the main one now that's going to the editor is like, it is something that, like nearly 85,000 words, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, it was, you know, when I got to that point of just getting clarity on, you feel unqualified to do this, and that's fine. That is okay. I think when that happened, this block literally just disappeared or whatever. And I was able to um, give myself permission, as it were, to write this thing without knowing everything that I thought was supposed to happen or I you know the way that I thought things were supposed to go and yeah it was a it's a it's quite a lesson for me yeah no that is an excellent like lesson because that's something I've kind of come to the realization myself lately is like nobody's a bigger block to your writing and holding you back than yourself and your self-doubt and I don't know what I've been writing for about three years but it took all that time It, it literally like hit me like two weeks ago when I went to a um co- a writer's convention and I was just like mm. oh like why why am I doing this because I like you said I felt unqualified too because I'm sitting in a room with all of these people who've been doing it for years and everything but I'm like you know everybody starts somewhere and has to move through this and has to learn as they go and that's the thing you got to give yourself like grace for is you you're learning you're still learning there's never a time you're not going to be learning so well, that's fantastic that you were ever like very you were able to work through that absolutely and I think you know because some of us have got you know just listen to that advice of um write what you know right Mm -hmm. and so 
in some respect, when you're writing what you know, there is a safety net. And then you now get this idea of something that you have no idea of. And you're like, I'm supposed to write what I know. I don't understand. No, that means I'm not going to do it. But um, like I said, when I understood and gave myself permission to not know everything about this particular thing that I really don't have any reason to know about because I'm, I don't exist in that world, in that industry, then it went easier for me. I think it was, I mean, this was actually a shock. Like I wrote an entire manuscript in three weeks. Like <laughs> even the short story collection, I did not write in three weeks. It took me more than yeah. three weeks. So yeah, that's like, yeah. It's mind blowing because I'm sitting here, I'm like, holy cow, like to write and finish that in three weeks. And that is impressive. And in the story you mentioned, she kind of goes behind her parents' back. I want to touch on the topic of cult- the whole cultural, oh my gosh, I'm getting tongue tied, cultural and generational <laughs> differences that being a blessing or a burden. Because I feel like mm. that kind of hints at it because you mentioned um, that her family kind of wants her to do one thing, but she is finding herself shifting to something she wants to do that she enjoys like let's talk about that a little bit what are some of the things she had to overcome to get there um she had to um do quite a lot of naughty things and some things that are not some things that are just were just ridiculous mistakes and some things that you you kind of I think when you read you're gonna go come on really how did you think this was gonna play out like you know and you know she starts this when she is a teenager and so you know how how when you're a teenager and you think you know everything so and I have everything figured out and so there's that element as well and her aunt and godmother understands and sees something that even she herself can't see. So she's encouraging her and she's um, doing certain things that, of course, this girl's parents are like, if you're enabling this girl, she's going to destroy herself. Um, but it, um, in, in many ways, her aunt is that person that says, I don't approve 100% of how you're doing what you're doing. And the truth is, I don't actually understand what you're doing because it's not a conventional job, right? It's mm-hmm. not, so it's not like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And and um, there's this one time, <laughs> there's this one time when she goes to the, um, so in Nigeria, the Nigerian film industry and entertainment industry is called Nollywood. And so yeah. she goes to a Nollywood set <laughs> to do makeup, like to do the makeup artist. And her father finds out and is like, you know, so it, it, you know, it goes down because he's, he knows she does this makeup thing, but he doesn't know that she's very serious about it. And in her mind, she's thinking, I'm going to make money and they're going to be so proud of me. And her father's like, no, I don't want you in this in this world because um because of the circles he moves in he's a businessman so he's heard certain things about women in the entertainment industry and he's like no daughter of mine is doing that and so because in Nigeria we don't um or rather at the time that uh, the time frame that I wrote that in so um there's actually a year stamp there we did not have anything like the studio system. So you know like how in Hollywood there's a 
physical place called Hollywood. Nigeria doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that a lot of those shoots and filming takes place in hotels. Now, yep. you're going to hear your teenage daughter went to a hotel to go. You're, you're, you're like, come on, really? And so it's, it's, um, so that's the thing that her aunt and her godmother is like, that I don't approve of. Why did you do this? You know, I get why, I get what you're trying to do, but you went to a hotel and there's that thing in Nigeria of decent girls, especially young girls, don't go to a hotel. And in her case, she just did something crazy. She didn't want to tell anybody where she was going, which, you know, um, if she had said, <laughs> they would have said no. And so, of course, when she, something happens on set, which means she doesn't come back as quick as she believes she would come back home, meaning that her parents are waiting for her when they come home and they're looking for her because this chick sneaks out of the entire house. So nobody, her younger sister either doesn't know or won't say where she went. And the gate man honestly doesn't know. Because the gay man was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, so it's like, you know, and imagine you leave your house believing I've got my kids here. You come home, only one is there. Where's where's the other one? You ask the gay man who is at the gate because there's literally only one way in and out of the the environment. And he's like, I don't know. And so there's all that stuff. And her parents are hearing these things um, about how she's the makeup artist in an industry that they said, I don't, I don't want you doing this thing at all. So, you know, and, and, and so there's that aspect and there's her thinking, I'm just trying to be financially independent because that is actually the crux of, um, the, the whole, uh, that's part of, that's her reason wanting to be financially independent. And she has her reasons behind that because there's a bad story there where she just believes them. I don't want to have to rely on any man in that way. And so, yeah, um, things go down <laughs> in somewhere. So quite painful. Oh, I get the, the whole panicky thing her parents did, though, because I would completely lose it if I woke up and my one of my children were gone because and I didn't know where they were. So it's also kind of like so many, I'm a very anxious person. So so many different scenarios would go through my head. But I'm also like super proud of her for stepping out and pursuing her dreams, you know, because that's something it's hard to do, especially with all the things parents push into your head growing up and everything like, no, you need to do this. You need to do this because this is going to make you money. This is not going to make you much money. But you're like, it's not like not. I feel like it's not a thing you need to worry about because if you pursue something you love, you're going to find a way to make money with it and make life with it, you know? Hmm. I think, you know, I think that's, that's the, that's one of the, the huge things that her aunt and her god, who's her godmother does for her. So it's that whole, okay, I guess it, you're not going to go do a, a regular job. You're going to do this thing. But her aunt knows something that she doesn't know which is that um a lot of actresses are poor and so she's like no you're not going to do that because a your father is going to kill you he doesn't want you in that and two what would be the point right you're not going to make money so her aunt actually um does 
certain things to to make sure that her skill makes money for her mm-hmm. and get her thinking about that. So it's like, okay, look, this glitz and glamour, you know, we, we want to, you know, we want to monetize this and want to make money from this thing so that you can. And so she's actually making money and she makes money and her father has no idea, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Because she, she's got these bank accounts in foreign currency because of this thing. And this is it when she's still in Nigeria that her father has no idea of. And her aunt is like, do not tell him. When the time is right, we'll tell him. And, and of course, you know, circumstances happen and situations and, and the time becomes right. And her father is right, like, okay, fine. So you want to go to London to do your uh, postgraduate degree and there's not really anything I can do about it. Um, and you even have your own money, so I can't really stop you. And and so obviously, you know, when she crosses that hurdle, she then goes to London and there's the culture shock because she's never been there before. There's a culture shock um, and then uh, dealing with university because I attended university in the UK. And so the way that I think and the way that I approach lecturers and all that is different from the way that people who attended university in Nigeria um, behave. And I can tell the difference. I usually can um, because the ones who did their first degree in Nigeria, they're usually more afraid when they cross over to the UK or the US for their master's degree because of um, the, you, I mean, it's difficult. It might be difficult for some people to tell, but I usually I can tell. And so there's that call to shock. And again, like, you know, the master's degree is literally one year and you're trying to fix everything in and trying to deal with all that stuff. Just trying to deal with that, trying to deal with the pace of academics. And then this beauty influencing thing comes along. And then all these things that she did not bargain for happen, like trolls, right? Um, people are trolling her on her YouTube channel. They are saying all kinds of horrible things about her. Um, and, and the thing with trolls is that they, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're very sick, shallow cowards because they're not living their real names, right? I mean, they can see her um, because, you know, she, she's there and she's got um, her name and they know all this stuff, but her bots, she doesn't know anything about them. And in fact, some of them, you know, she's like, oh, okay, fine, I'll block you. But there's not any limit on the number of email addresses a person is allowed to open. So some of them actually, you know, still go and open more email addresses and, you know, and all of that. So she's having to deal with that. She's having to deal with being a celebrity on campus. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's, there's two types that are usual um, when it comes to, you know, celebrities who are in school. So there are people who are already celebrities and then they enroll in a school, right? And then there are people who after who are normal, regular people who they when after they graduate, they become celebrities because of their work. But she's not in any of those categories. She was a normal person, got into school, something happened, and then she became famous. And so it's like, okay, I wanna still be normal, but 
the realities I'm not and how do I deal with all this? Yeah. And so she's trying to be anonymous sometimes and that's just ridiculous. It's not possible because then everybody feels like and I feel like, you know, when you've got X number of followers on social media, like people just feel like they know you and that they have a right to be saying certain kinds of things about you behind your back sometimes to your face. And so she's dealing with that. Um, she's also got her personal issues. She's also got legal issues, some of which she actually causes herself because of mm-hmm. her ignorance, um, which is something that I felt was really important because a lot of um, people who are doing this creative thing, um, they just go, I mean, okay, something as simple as using somebody's song on your video. Yeah. Right? you don't have permission don't do that and some people generally don't know that that is all shades of wrong and illegal and so she's dealing with all that and dealing with life as well and there's also that thing of because I feel like we are groomed to think about getting to the next step always and we somehow feel like when I get to the next step, whatever the next step is, when I publish my book, when it becomes a bestseller, when I get my baby, when I get that promotion, when I, when I that's going to make you happy. <laughs> you don't understand that. No, it's not. And two, every new level has new devils. Yes. So she has to learn that, that yeah. this, this, that material thing, and even sometimes when you get that thing that you think you want, it, it's fine, but that's not going to make you happy if you yeah. weren't already happy, right? So there's yeah. there's all these, I feel like there's all these different things and that's why I'm glad that I chose to write it because in mm-hmm. some ways, it's not about beauty in itself. It's not about lipstick and, and, and um, I don't know, highlighter and it, it will, it, it will, um, resonate with people who are struggling, um, who are yeah. aspiring beauty influencers or who are actual beauty influencers because I mean I read some of the 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 things that people who are beauty influencers and some other women in the media say about being trolled and I'm like, what what is wrong with some of these people? Like why are you I mean if you do if I I can't understand if I don't like you, I'm not gonna follow you on social media. So what is mm-hmm. going on in these people's heads, right? And so um I think you know, just the way that she deals with um, her, her own issues, whether it's trolls, whether it's trying to figure out how to really be something other than someone who just makes up on camera um, in terms of monetizing that and not just making money, but actually investing it. Because that's another thing that people don't, you know, people really don't know. It's like, oh, okay, um, oh, <laughs> this brand is going to pay me X amount of um, pounds or dollars for unboxing this video, for unboxing this product, and then you take that money and then you go and blow it on a bag or a car. I'm not saying those things are bad, but then you're, those those are things that are going to go down in value. Did you see what I'm saying? And then the next month, yeah. going to be you're going to be back to square one. And so there's there's all these different issues. And at the end of the day, is and it is not cultural fiction, but it is a real coming of age story of you know how she's going to deal with all this stuff whether it's yeah. 
things that other people are doing, whether it's things that a system is doing, or whether it's things that even she's doing and not realizing how ridiculous <laughs> some of the things that she's doing are because and, and how she actually even endangers herself sometimes without realizing. Yeah. And I'm curious, okay. So she goes through all this stuff. She's got all of this stuff coming at her from like every direction. It seems like she's got cultural shock. She's in a whole new place. She's having to deal with like stuff with her family and the guilt and probably that goes on with that. How mm. does her, how does she keep her sanity? Like what does she do to keep like her focus moving forward to her end goal? Um, obviously, I mean, she makes mistakes, uh, but she has a friend. There's always a friend, just like in um, in Forever There for You. There was a really good friend who, I mean, well, when I say good, I mean that she was a good friend to her, not that she was a completely good person because she she does get her involved in certain things that you're like, mm, I'm not really sure you should be doing that. But um, this character in the the in the book about the beauty influencer, she has a friend who just tells her, look, um, this is what you need to be doing. But she does it in a respectful way, not like because they are actually the same age. And so it's not like, oh, you you must do this or else. So this friend of hers has the presence of mind to recognize that this girl is stubborn. She's going to do what she's going to do. But I'm going to give her advice and tell her this is how you can do this. This is an option, right? And because she's, this friend has proven herself and um, she's been in the system longer. And when I say in the system, I mean, she's been in England longer. She knows certain other things because of her own background. And again, like I said, it is a real coming of age story because I think um, sometimes people think that just because for instance, just because you live in England or you were born there, that you know everything and you don't because there will be, you know, people who do read the book will come to realize, like I said, just why this friend knows certain things. This friend is what, like 21, 22, 21, 22 year olds don't know. I mean, at least in my experience, I didn't meet a lot of 21, 22 year olds when I was at uni that knew, that were very clued on when it came to um, handling finances and investing and actually making wealth, especially when there were people of color, right? I just, I just didn't, but this friend does. And that's actually part of why she exists to um, just to ensure that these lessons are there and they are passed on because I feel, you know, like I said, this character, her main thing is I want to be financially independent. But then her friend lets her know that it's not, you know, there's the hustle and then there's the, you know, just doing certain things to make sure that the hustle pays and you don't have to be doing that 24 7, 365 days a week. And so, yeah, yeah. That's a hard lesson to take into the whole, the hustle thing. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I feel like that's all something a lot of people teach. You got to keep going. You got to keep going, but you also have to take care of like your mental health and take a break every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with your writing, like, do you have a routine that you stick with when you write? 
Not really. I mean, mm-hmm. when I know that I have to do something, sometimes I I just get on with it. I'm not gonna unless there is a reason for me just not being able to write something and I and I maybe I haven't realized why yet. I will just get on with it. For instance, I am writing the sequel to this story that I've you know, just been talking to you about. And it's not, I don't know why yet, but it's not flowing as easily as the first one they did. And it's not like there's not enough story there. In fact, I think that there's too much story in, <laughs> in the sequel. <laughs> in the sequel. And, um, but it is, and it is actually a continuation of the first book. And so I know I'm going to get to it at some point and figure it out. I don't know what's going on there, but it, I'm going to figure it out. And so my routine actually, it depends, it depends on where I am in my head space and, and what it is that I know I have to achieve. And then, like I said, I mean, <laughs> I did it in three weeks, but I think yeah. that's how even that in itself has become a bit of an arbitrage because I remember when I, I didn't finish the second one in three weeks. I'm still, I think I'm still in chapter two. And I'm like, but I've done this before. Why can't I do it in three weeks? I'm like, no, no, calm down, calm down. Each book has its own process. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's okay. Just do the thing one thing at a time and see. Yeah. But that's awesome that it, that you you are able to like know the difference between the mindset and how quickly you can get it out and you're not hard on yourself with all that. That's a, that's a good thing because a lot of authors struggle with that. So that 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 is very good. Um, if you could give advice to a new writer that's working their way towards publishing their first book, what would you give them? Okay, so the first thing I would say is that you should realize that people only buy from brands that they know, love, and trust. And this is whether it's a corporate brand or it's a personal brand. And so you need to build a personal brand. Mm-hmm. And what I found, because I also, I run a, a publishing company, so I'm not just publishing myself, I'm publishing others as well is that from talking to um, potential authors and uh, actual authors, the first story that they write, and also with singers as well, the first story that they write, the first thing that they write, that's what they really want to say. And they, I mean, and this is before marketing or branding experts get involved and start telling them, don't do this, dress this way. That that is actually what they want to say. And so if you can understand that and condense it then it helps you with your personal branding it helps you with your marketing as well and it helps you actually understand your writing process better so there are some things that there are some places I don't go anymore mm-hmm. and of course this is like you know this is a very expensive lesson because at first I didn't know what my personal brand was so I was literally you know like trying to pitch every reviewer and go on every radio station and go on every podcast and blah 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 and so when you figure out your pastor brand and then you you really hone in on that, then you understand that your reader is just like you. They're human being like you. They're looking for a particular thing. They're looking for a solution. They're looking for a story. It, 
you know, if you hear names like Sophie, Sophie Kinsella or James Patterson or Martina Cole or J.D. Roth, there's something that comes to your mind for each one. They're telling the same stories all over again. I mean, like Confessions of a Shopaholic. Come on, like it, she's got like a whole series out of it, but it's the same story over and over again, yet she's mm-hmm. selling every time. There is a reason for that. And so the first thing that I would say is figure out your personal brand, you know, figure out, really sit with yourself and understand why you're writing what it is that you're writing. Like, first of all, what is important to you? Because when you know what is important to you, you need to be honest about why. You're going to figure that out. And um, you need to find partners that won't, you know, that will be on board with that. So um, as a company, as a publishing company, there's some there's some genres I just don't publish. I just, you know, I, I don't understand them or I just don't want to deal with them. And then there's some that I'm fine with, so we'll publish them, right? Yeah. But then it's that understanding of, look, I'm partnering with this um, with this author. And so I feel like everything that we do is a partnership. So every media appearance is a partnership. Every, you know, so even the editor, because I don't, I edit, but not my own work because I've got blinders on. Um, but the editor that we use for all the, you know, for the books that I don't edit that comes out of my company, um, that is a partnership. The cover designer, that is a partnership. And the funny thing is that you know all of this, but your name is the one on the cover. And so if any, if you don't choose the right partners because you don't know your personal brand or you didn't take it seriously, nobody's going to know all these people. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is going to be like, oh no, like, you know, because your name is on the cover. And so that is now what people are going to come to expect whenever they see your name, right? Yeah. People expect a certain kind of book from me or certain kind of quality. I mean, I'm saying this now and I'm sure they've heard it before, but I have an editor, but they don't know who the editor is until they open the book and see the editor's name in it. But then when they see my name on the cover, they go, right, we can be sure of this kind of quality, right? And so I would honestly say, you know, it is that first thing. Know what your personal brand is. Don't be too hard on yourself. And and just understand that as long as you, you've articulated what your personal brand is, not what you want it to be, like, because, you know, sometimes you're thinking, oh, this is what I want it to be. For whatever reason, I don't know, you've got blinders on. Maybe somebody has told you something about how what you are is not good enough and you have to be something else. It, what you actually are might be good enough to sell you mm-hmm. uh, because you can't, there's only so long that you can lie to yourself. I mean, what I found out is sometimes, you know, like when you see artists and, you know, um, people in public either taking drugs or doing certain things, sometimes it's to cope with the different lives that they are forced to lead. Whether if it's, you know, there's the brand that their PR person or their agent has come up with and said, this is who you are, you need to do this. But then this person is not, that's not who they are. And so sometimes you you're trying to cope with, okay, should I say this? Should I say that? And then they start drinking to either numb the pain or do something that they're not supposed to be doing. And I just find out, okay, n- no, let's just start with who you really are. It's harder for you to lie and fall apart if 
what I'm projecting you as is what you already wear. Like it's easier for all of us. I don't, I'm not going to be afraid that you're going to go to a radio station and say something that you, that's completely off brand because what I told these people you are is really what you are. So it is that thing of, you know, um, uh, decide what your personal brand is. And that is actually how people pick you. Um, I, I say this and some people would think it's very funny, but I feel like as authors, we should all be pygmies. And I know that that sounds derogatory, especially in terms of the way that um, that phrase is used in popular culture. But if you think about the fact that, you know, if you remember when you were much younger and you had to play sports in school, you know, like where they had to pick yeah. teams, right? Yeah. Do you remember there was always somebody that all the teams wanted and there was always the one person that was always standing there and just had to go to the team with the least numbers by default, yeah. just because, but they didn't really want you. And sometimes it wasn't because you were a bad person or that they didn't like it. It was just that for that game or whatever, they didn't know what you could bring to the table or the game as they were they didn't like like what they'd seen you do before the fact that they hadn't seen you win before and so they didn't trust your abilities and sometimes you know you surprise them and 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 so if you look at it like that when you think about the fact that with books um readers whether it is people who are actually you know doing the reading or their librarians or their they are not going to pick the last book on the shelf just because it's there it's not happening yeah. They're only going to pick the first one that they really want to pick because the yeah. author has done things. So again, it's that personal branding thing like, you know, has, has given them an expectation of this is the content you're going to get and this is the quality you're going to get as soon as you see my name on this thing. Right. And so when you consider that and you think, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is actually why they get picked. And, it's so like you can be like, oh, I don't care, like anybody who doesn't want to pick. No, you can say that until you keep, you know, you're always the last one to be picked by default. Mm -hmm. And after after a while, it's not going to be funny anymore. You're not going to want to play it anymore. And that is actually why some writers stop writing. It's not necessarily because you're a horrible writer. It's just because like all these things that should underpin your personal brand and you know just the writing and the process and all that you don't sometimes you don't know what they are and you don't know where to get help and so at some point you kind of go I don't want to do this anymore which is a shame because you do sometimes you do have a message that there's there's a lot of people who are waiting to hear that message and it's going to be good for them and it's going to be healing and it's going to be you know affirming for them but they can't find you because I like I say if I sell a hair cream, but mm -hmm. I put it in a tub that says it's hair relaxer, it's not going to get to the people that it's supposed to get to. Yeah. You know, and people who are looking for hair relaxer, they're going to use that cream, find out it's cream, and they're going to be very angry yeah. because they're going to feel cheated, right? And so yeah. that's that thing that I think some authors do, where they think they're being cheeky and they think they're being clever by half, where, you know, they try and like put their book in the wrong Amazon category and think that nobody will notice. <laughs> Readers will notice and they'll penalize yeah. you with their reviews and they will not pick you. So, yeah. That happens a lot. I've seen that a lot. So that they try to cheat the system with it just to get like one of the bestseller tags and stuff. Yeah. Mm. So. 
Well, we have reached the end of our time. So go ahead and tell our viewers and listeners where they can find you and your work. Okay, so if you go to um, fearlessstoryteller.org forward slash links, you will find everything about my company and what we do, who we serve, uh, the books that my company has published, as well as my own books. And then my own uh, web page or website page is talent.flsstoryteller.org forward slash our dash talent forward slash Chairman Danny has one word. I am going to give you the, um, the URL because I don't think anybody is going <laughs> to be able to remember. <laughs> Nobody's going to be able to remember this. Uh, they're going to be like, what did she say? So I'm going to give you that and then uh, you can put that. Um, in the description area or somewhere on your um, <laughs> your video. Yes, absolutely, I will. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me on the show this morning and chatting. Likewise. We'll have to again.